What's up, everyone? And welcome back to another episode of High Minded with McCarter featuring my co-host, SK. Hey, hey, everyone. We are back And this week we talked to Mike Abrams, a friend of mine and one of the owners of the Peaceful Choice Dispensary. And he also gives us a bunch of insight into the cannabis market in Puerto Rico. And New York. Oh, yeah. We talk about New York as well. Yeah. He has been around in the cannabis industry for a long time, so he knows so much about everything. Yeah. We talked about so much. We Oh, we talked about Iboga? Iboga. Yeah. Iboga. Wow. We're going to have to get a guest that specializes in Iboga, but we talk a little bit about it because he spends most of his time down in Puerto Rico and loves Costa Rica. And you've yeah. been down there, SK, right? Yeah, I've been to um, both Puerto Rico and Costa Rica, but um, I was recently in But you haven't done Puerto Iboga. Rico. I have not done Iboga. But we both want to. We both want to, and it sounds like that's <laughs> happening in Costa Rica. So Iboga, the down, like, yeah. The, Iboga is the new ayahuasca, in my understanding. Yeah, if you're trying to end an addiction, it seems like a very quick way to um, kind of yeah, get to, do that. to a new mindset. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Plant yeah. medicine is Absolutely. out there doing so much. Once again, yeah. Another plant medicine that we're discovering. I'm sure that we sound so naive that to people who actually know what iboga is. Yeah. I. It was so new to me. Um, and it, it did start a little bit of a a little bit of a Google search. This episode was super amazing. And thank you again to Mike Abrams for coming on. And I just got back from MJ BizCon Vegas and it was a whirlwind. Yeah. What was uh? What's what oh. was the most memorable thing that happened at MJ BizCon? Well, unfortunately, on my plane ride home, I did puke twice into the puke bags <laughs> in the airplane due to too much alcohol, I would say. And I only had four hours of sleep that last night, so it's three days. <laughs> so it was Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is the convention. There was. I think over 30,000 attendees or people there. Wow. It's at the Las Vegas Convention Center, which I think is one of the biggest convention centers in the country. Is it? Where where is it located? I've heard it's like, oh, it's like right next to the airport. It's like, oh, it's like like an eight-minute drive, I feel like, from the airport. Okay, nice. And I've heard there's a lot of other conventions. And then there was the electronic dance Oh, thing nice. happening this weekend there in Vegas or last weekend. I cool. Guess, so now. y'all just got high and went and watched people. Well, no, as, as all the cannabis people were leaving, all the like music dance people were coming <laughs> into Vegas. It was actually funny. Nice. But they were saying like over 200,000 people were coming in for the dance electronic dance Whoa. thing. So that's way more than the 30,000 cannabis. I mean, but that's, I mean, 30,000 stoners yeah. all in one spot like, yeah but it was a, sounds it was amazing crazy like the amount of production that goes into these booths is insane so i was there with my client high on love shout out to angela we're gonna have her on the podcast here soon actually when she comes into colorado oh, next. cool cool i'm super pumped about that so yeah we um she has some thc infused sexual intimacy oil, Mm. which I just gave to SK to try for the first time. Yes, I'll keep you guys posted. Um, But it's my favorite. Um, It literally is the best lube I've ever tried. It actually, the THC increases blood flow to the genital regions for increased pleasure. 
Okay. So especially for females. Nice. So wow. yeah. A, a female centered, yes. female owned business. Yes. Uh, okay. Yes. And you know I love all that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. That's <laughs> that's exact that's our cup of tea. As we're both drinking cups of tea. Yes. <laughs> oh, wait, let's do a little cheers. 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 Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ah. But anyway, MJ BizCon was amazing. It was a lot of networking. I met some really cool people. There's also some chads. You got to be careful for the, the chads. Oh, yeah. Chads. Uh, there's sling yeah. and whack shit. Yeah. Well, people, yeah, that don't have good product one or like crazy, like crazy wealthy businessmen. Broy. Yeah. And bros that just have a chads. lot of money and are trying to get into the cannabis industry. So looking for people to invest in, but okay. don't actually like know anything about the plant and just want to make money, which like is fine like you need investors that for some things but i just i want it to be very like inclusive and in this industry has you know i feel like we have the potential to be very like female owned Mm -hmm. people of color owned um like be very inclusive with the wealth and the equity and still a lot of these old white men with the capital are coming in so we just you have to be careful i feel like yeah for sure keep the gotta hold the integrity yeah, I love that. Yeah. But wait, we were just talking about before this. Oh. <laughs> all these brands. Have you guys noticed? Oh, my gosh. All the Zs. Ugh, the strains. Every like every cannabis brand wants to put a Z, like replace an S with a Z. Always. And I think... It's a phenomena. Yeah. It's the Z. It started, we were saying, it started maybe with Skittles. Skittles. So they wouldn't get sued by Skittles. Right. And I think that honestly, so... should and bodega have, boys here? Yes. Um, I think that that is because Jesus and Mero are the bodega boys with an S. I oh. was just googling because I wanted to know if they were affiliated. So in yeah, any I way, got. But I think it's probably to, these. Bo- these guys were in the booth across from us. Shout out to Bodega Boys, boys. with a Z in <laughs> Oklahoma. Oh my God, smell young. They have some flower. I got some sweet dream. Sweet dreams with a flower. Or wait, wait <laughs> with, an with an S. Okay. <laughs> With an S, not with a Z, but it smells really good and it looks really good. Yeah, it smells awesome. And their branding is on point, but it's just with the Z thing and with the runts, I got got this like cannabis cigarello. Mm. it's a it's a feature. It's a collab with Blackleaf. Shout out to Blackleaf. You're amazing. It was amazing to meet you. Um with the it looks like the Pure Company, but it's a cannabis cigarillo, but the strain is Runts with Runs. a Z. <laughs> and we're just uh, seeing so many Zs. Runts. So we're just wondering, like, what, I don't know, what is it? What, does it mean something? Is it just, like, put a Z because we can? Or, like, do you really have to pronounce the Z? Is it, like, Bodega Boys? <laughs> Runts. Yeah, like, do you really have to, like, do the tongue thing? I don't know. Write in. Let us know. <laughs> Um, um, what other Z's you got? Oh, send them in. Send in your Z's. Yeah. I do love runs though. I no, runs is a great strain. It's everywhere. And now that you say that runs it's probably, it but that's really the cookies. Does. It's the cookies genetics. So then people yeah. are like getting their hands on it or like stealing it or whatever. I don't know. 
I mean, it's ubiquitous now, so um, now they're getting it somehow. Yeah, it's it's a strain of the people's now. It's no longer <laughs> It's the people's strain. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Give it back to the people. Oh, yes. But yeah. we both just took some fat dabs of this soy cubano soy sauce soy with sauce. Oreos. No. Oreos. <laughs> that's what. Oh, my gosh. No, oh my it's, definitely, it's definitely it's oh definitely a copyright thing. What? Um, because runs, Skittles, Oreos, okay. Bodega Boys. Oh, my God. It has to be. Yeah. Okay. It's a copyright. We figured it out. We figured out the mystery. Oh, my God. This is what happens when you get high. <laughs> oh, my gosh. But write us in still with your Z's, you know. Z's. Okay. So it's only a copyright thing. I mean, maybe not, though. Maybe not. I do have and to say. A flare. Yeah, it's a little um buzzy. But this one, so I guess it's just replacing a letter because look, they soy, soy cubano has this live rosin that they call soy sauce, but it's S-O-I Honestly, instead of a Y. Yeah. I like it, but it's because soy cu soy cubano. So uh, yeah. Everything's soy, but with an I. With an I. <laughs> it's branding. It's good branding. Oh my god, but I do have to say the soy sauce. Has this, been blowing my mind. It's the best thought. dabs I've it's been taking in a second. Ripping. Sure. Yeah. We're ripped. Ripping. We're ripped. We <laughs> hope everyone, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh my gosh. We <sighs> hope everyone else is as ripped as we are. And thanks for listening. Please give us a five star review. <laughs> like, subscribe. Yes, please like us and subscribe us. And we're going to be redoing the website soon. Um, <laughs> we're going to be getting some stickers soon. Ooh, yeah. Very Watch out for excited. stickers. Yeah, follow us on Instagram at highmindedpod. Um, once again, I am McCarter. And I'm SK. Thanks for listening to High Minded and stay high. Welcome back to High Minded with McCarter with my co-host <laughs> SK and... <laughs> Already coughing our brains out over yes, here. Thank you. Um, yes. Smoking a joint with our amazing guest, Mike Abrams. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's it's nice to be here. Can you introduce yourself and tell us who you are, why 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 you're on the show today because of your expertise in uh, cannabis? Uh, I, I'd be happy to introduce myself. Um, my name is Mike Abrams, um, 44 years old, <laughs> and moved out to Colorado in 2010 when the kind of forced marriage happened in the first regulated cannabis industry. This was in June of 2010. By July 1st, they made it mandatory for you to gross at least 70% of your product in a warehouse for each medical shop, which created a, a real vertically integrated, um, regulated somewhat market at the time. And people started to have to pair up because some people had grows, some people had shops, and most people didn't have enough money to actually do both. Right. So, How much money would you have needed to do uh, both? At the beginning, it, it's pretty unbelievable that you could have started these businesses with probably less than a half a million dollars for both. But back then it was, you know, three, 5,000 square feet warehouse and a thousand square foot store, hoping the landlord didn't kick you out, wow. you know, uh, at both places. So, <laughs> um, you know, and hoping that what a time, but yeah, you got into the industry really early on. I, I did. I took a risk, you know, um, one of my good friends who was actually my "Quote unquote dealer in Florida." Amazing. Um, he uh, he was actually growing 
cannabis too. And I didn't know this. And we were just friends from poker and, you know, it's the place I got my weed. So he asked me one night, he said, um, you know, come watch football with me at my house. And it's Monday night football. And I walk into his house and it's, he's, he's got literally two trailers on a property. It was not lavish or anything. Okay. And, um, and I walk into his trailer and I see a gigantic pot plant. <laughs> so, and he goes, Mike, I need your help. I'm like, what do you need my help with? He goes, well, I got to trim this plant down. You want to help me? I know you like weed. And so we sit there and we watch Monday Night Football and it's one plant. You know, now I know this is not a big deal. We're, we trim the plant down, hang it, whatever, you know. <laughs> and I go, and I'm just not saying anything. And he goes, well, obviously, you know, like what I do now. And I, I need a little. You're in on the secret. Yeah, I, I need a little more of your help. Okay. All right, cool. What do you need it? What do you need? And he goes, um, well, I want to go on vacation, and I don't trust anybody. He goes, <laughs> you're a nice guy. You're, you're my friend. I know you live. You know. Nice. You're, He's you're, like, I've come gig. to mildly trust you. you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like you're, a, you're the, like, passive yoga guy. If you steal my shit, I'm coming after you. He's like, you. I'll kill you. <laughs> oh, yeah. It's like, but I don't think you'll do that. So watch my plants and water them for a week. Long story short, watch the plants, water them for a week. He... Um, he comes back, gives me, you know, a little bit of weed for my time and effort. Mm-hmm, for your and, service. Yeah, yeah, for my service. <laughs> and uh, I don't think anything of it. And a couple months later, he says, Mike, I'm moving to Colorado. And I said, what? I go, where am I going to get my weed? <laughs> You're like, oh, fuck. <laughs> I, yeah, I was like, well, how much can, like, I literally at this point in my life, I probably never bought more than a couple ounces at once, like never. And mm-hmm. I was like, how much weed can I buy from you before you leave? Because you have the best weed not anymore. <laughs> Gotta <laughs> stock up. Uh, totally. <laughs> so well, I bought like a half pound weed from him, suck it in my closet. And, and I'm like, what, what are you doing? And he goes, this guy's name was Vinny. I said, what are you doing? He goes, well, I can get arrested here for what I do. <laughs> but if I go to Colorado, I can get a permit. I can grow it in my house and I can sell it to the dispensary. So anyway, long story short, he goes, he goes out and three or four months later, he calls me and he's like, Mike, you, you got to come see this. I know you're a business person. I know you love marijuana. Mm-hmm. Like this is, this is huge. He's like, we just want to sit here in our closet and, you know, grow in our closet and smoke bong hits. But why wouldn't you want a store? We can like sell our weed to your store or, you know, you can whatever. And I was like, okay. So a couple months later, I packed up my car. Wow. And I drove out here and I saw these guys and I literally was like, okay, if I like, if they like take me to the store and they come out with like money and this is like all real, like <laughs> I got to do this, you know? So oh that's exactly what happened. And I Did saw- Did they literally give cash? Oh yeah. It was- it was it's all cash. Yeah. $4,800 a pound. Oh my God. Cause I'm like, they wouldn't give you a check. For like the weed you grew in your backyard. <laughs> At first, the weed was like, okay, but I would say some of the best years for Colorado, like high-end cannabis was 2012 and 13, maybe 11, because people were still growing in their house. Um, You were still able to sell some as a caregiver to the store. There was like a lot of things, and there was a lot of more small batch stuff that people really cared about, you know? So there's unique stuff, and and I, I know the majority of the weed is better. But, you know, you found some more stuff that maybe was like this rainbow flame that we smoked because people were growing 10 plants in their house and they cared about them so much. Um, And they were getting 
so much money. The market didn't really start to crash until 2012, but people started to vertically integrate in 10 and 11. So anyway, I came out here, I saw the whole thing, and uh, that was May 2010 when I drove out here. Okay. Um, I met my partner, Marissa, then a few weeks after that, and she became my girlfriend at the time. Um and we we opened a store together. We right away I was like Wait, I, so you closed your yoga studios? I sold them, yeah. Sold them. Yeah. Okay. So I had you so- had the capital, some capital to start. I sold yeah, a little bit. I sold one in the yoga studios when my dad was dying, um, because I couldn't deal with it. And that, right. and then the other one I had left was in um Florida still. And it, it was running for a while, but between what I'd done in the stock market, between what I'd done in the yoga, I had like a couple hundred thousand dollars to start the business. Um, mm-hmm. I bought 10% of a store, Nature's Medicine, which we were talking about before we came on air. Um, Nature's Medicine was one of the original franchises that were people that tried to franchise in Colorado. Uh, a gentleman by the name of Rich Present um, and Drew, I can't remember his last name, but my now partner in Green Tree Medicinals bought Nature's, part of Nature's Medicine, Allie Filer is her name, and I bought another part of another Nature's Medicine, and that's how we met each other. And as Nature's Medicine kind of had some issues ramping up and being a a collective, because their idea was get a store and they would have a mutual grow Mm -hmm. for a bunch of stores, which which was a really kind of a good strategy, but they weren't able to come up with the capital for the cultivation. Okay. Um, And that's where I came in because I bought part of one of the stores – and signed a contract to sell for $3,200 a pound to the store from my cultivation. Um, oh. I built the cultivation, though, and bought 10% of the store. I don't think people really saw what was going to happen when the scale of warehouse started to come online, and I knew the price was going to go to 1800 or less. And they wouldn't sell me half of the store which is, I was like, look, just let me build a grow. It's worth half. Mm-hmm. Let's be partners. And they were like, no, you know, I will only sell you 10%. Okay. And I was like, okay, well, then I want a contract to sell at a good price. And they were like 3200 because at the time the price was like 4000 or 4400 wow. So they were like, wow. we're getting a good deal. but They thought they were getting a good deal. And I was like, I don't think so. But I, you know, for them, I thought I was getting the better end of the deal. And I, I, I was hoping – in my begin with the end in mind kind of strategy that I use yeah. is that they would come back to the deal that I wanted. How, and how many plants would I, that be? How many plants? I, I think we were probably running about three, 400 plants at the time. Okay. So it wasn't, it wasn't crazy. I mean, it was like and a... Like ha- harvesting how many times like we, per year? I, I quickly started to harvest on like a perpetual basis mm. where we would harvest every week or every two weeks. Oh, okay. Um, because so you had like in cycles. All the time. And I, you know, and I think, um, I think there's some, some good things about that and some bad things about that. And if you want to talk about cultivation, I can tell you my thoughts on that too. But um, in general, what, why I did that is because I'm business minded more than I am like a green thumb or <laughs> a horticulturist. Yeah. Something like that. Right. So, I mean, I'm just, I love business. Right. And I, and I just see that what people want is fresh new products. Mm-hmm. So if you can every I week, want that new, new, yeah, every week or even that new batch, 
Yeah. yeah sure, you want sure. a new strain, but yep. you want a new. Ba- oh, madame, that one's two percent higher THC. Everybody's like, oh, <laughs> you know, it's like whatever. But um, so the long story short is basically that I harvested in a perpetual way, so that the store was continually getting product, and they needed it because if we went three or four weeks without getting product, we'd have to buy it somewhere else. Right. And my idea for combining everything was. Basically, it's it's the grow and store have an equal value, right? So what happened was the price kind of dropped for wholesale, price dropped for retail, um, and they were they kind of got frustrated at the contract. And I said, well, let's just be partners then. And as we were all doing this, um, there was another store that wanted me to grow for them in Salida, another nature's medicine. I started to – and they were a sister – store. So I was selling them product anyway. Mm-hmm. Fort Collins actually got um, banned in like 2011, right. 12. Yeah, because there's no dispensaries there. Right. So there was, but then it got banned. So that license that they had that I only bought 10% of, uh-huh. I'm kind of lucky sometimes. If, you know. <laughs> wow. so it, like They just had to fold it. They had to fold, but I owned the grow license. <laughs> so I attached it to the Salida store. And kept selling weed to Allie Filer, who's my partner in Green Tree. Um, and as I was doing all that, because I didn't think that was enough, I guess, I, <laughs> I bought, uh, we bought another property in 2011 um, up in North Boulder with a gentleman named Lazo Baggy. And, uh, you know, if you know the industry, people probably know him if you've been around back in the day. But we bought a 110 acre property with uh, 70,000 square feet of warehouse space. Um, it wow. was. It, and is this the same one I've been to? Yeah, up there. That facility? Wow. A- and that place, McCarter, was abandoned. There was like three tenants. <laughs> And 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 no two of them way. and two of them were my partner who bought the building. No way. But <laughs> this is it, crazy. It was one of the only spaces in Boulder County that was close to Boulder that was zoned right. for cannabis. Mm-hmm. So him and I were like, "Holy shit, we we have to have this property." Yeah, hop on it. So we begged, barred, and sealed, you know, whatever we had to do to to get the property to start growing, you know, opening licenses up in different places, and and I started growing in one of the cultivation in one of the spaces there, and combined my new cultivation with Ali Filer's store in uh, Longmont, um, oh, yeah. right in front of Walmart. So. That's and so then I had two different businesses going on because you know a lot of people put all their eggs in one basket, but I was worried about how cannabis could businesses could be closed. So I felt that more comfortable having several brands. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's kind of the way I did it. Then then once that happened, um, you know my ex was running um, Peaceful Choice at the time, and I was helping run Green Tree, and then I I built another cultivation there. Um, and Allie and I uh, found another location for a store in 2013 in North Glen. So okay. wow! So this is crazy. Diversified, pretty. Yep. And pretty then well. and then my partner couldn't build this cultivation down in on Oakland Street in Denver, and we needed every store needed a cultivation, or you couldn't open at the time right. because of that vertical integration law. Mm-hmm. So we so then I went ahead and built another cultivation. In Denver, and Allie built a store in North Glen, and we partnered up on that. So I wound up with three stores 
um, three cultivations, wow. all vertically integrated in three different locations. Um, and that happened in a period of about three years. And now time for a quick commercial break. Check out the Weed Maps app. Even if you're a lifestyle user, just curious, or a daily user, they have all types of different features on their app. I use the app to search for my favorite edibles and it will show you what dispensary locations have that nearby so you can go pick it up. You can even order it through the app as well. And it shows you all of the deals and discounts that are going on at retail stores. Check it out on the app store and download it. It's free and stay high. When you say microdosing, both of you, um, what is your dosage? I take point point two five grams. Uh, that's that's right about where I'm at. And if yeah. I and if I want, I don't ever want to get um, more elevated than that kind of thing. So mm-hmm. I take um, point two five, and then if I'm starting to come down and I want to st- keep, I'll take another point two five. Mm-hmm. Like because I I like the daytime. I, I don't know. A lot of people like to wait till later. To me, like I, I'll. I like daytime too. Yeah, yeah, it's like lights and shadows. It's more fun. It's so cool. Bright. But I don't. But I. I feel like point two five lasts me like three or four hours. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Maybe. F- I think that that probably is for me too, and I haven't realized like the wear off. And you're making me realize like, wait, I should probably try what you're trying. So so yeah, so I go about like three hours, and then if I want to continue on that path, and I you know. Which I usually do. I usually take another one, another okay. two, two, five. I'm gonna yeah. try this, and and then it, and then it lasts me six or eight hours, and I have like a really good experience, and then I'm coming, then I'm you know, not like coming down because you're microdosing, and I I think that's what people don't realize is that it's not like this anxiety based thing. Like if you take three grams or something where you're like, oh my God, I'm hallucinating and what happened in my right. life and blah, 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 yeah. you know? It's but. like total minor little like tweaks or something and you, things you'll like notice, yeah. I feel like. I, yeah. I like it when I'm doing something that I wouldn't want to normally do. Like if I'm cleaning my bathroom, I'm like, I'm going to do a little microdose and oh, then I'm I actually like not going to hate this because the whole time I'm just going to be listening to music and kind of smiling and not dwelling on how much oh, this is yeah, gross I like and I hate that. this. My actual favorite plant medicine is iboga. Mm. Okay, peop- someone was just telling me to try this. Yeah, it's really hard to get. Iboga is a is a plant medicine that comes from uh, the the root bark of of a of a shrub or a bush. Um, it takes I think something like 6 to 8 years to mature for the actual shrub to produce the um, active ingredient. Um, it's called ibogaine. They've isolated it, but iboga is like the plant. And the, and what they do is they dig up the 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 roots of it, and it's in the root bark. Wow. Um, and that, that root bark actually um, – this is what was told to me. I don't know if this is true, how it was discovered, but um, it comes from, from Africa – and you know, there's a number of shamans over there and different different kind of healers. And one one day he realized that his wife was like super clairvoyant, super truthful, like <laughs> like and kind of like off, like like not off, but like trippy somewhat, right? But being really, really clairvoyant and really like mm-hmm. like honest and intuitive. Oh, and and and, and really, like, programmed in, and he was like, what the hell's going on? He goes, what do we eat? We didn't do anything different. Goes, Apparently, the 
porcupines. They eat, they eat porcupines over there. And the porcupines eat the root bark of this shrub. Oh. Okay, to make a long story short. Wow. So his wife was made cooked the porcupine, ate the porcupine, and it was like having this clairvoyant moment. And like what, what nice. Iboga does for me the couple times I've done it, well, I've done it more than a couple times, probably like eight or ten times, but I've done it on a microdosing basis. And the reason I found out about it is um, I watched my friend stop opioids in Costa Rica on a, on a, on a dime and not have withdrawals. And he, and I asked him what happened because I had seen him six months ago. And I was like, I was like, Ryan, man, you're, are you okay, man? Like, you know, we, we are stoner friends and, but he was out of it. And, you know, he was a server at one of the restaurants that I'd go to. And he just, I, I, you know, I, I just, I knew there was something wrong. I knew he like, you know, was taking wow. pills. And he kind of told me, he's like, man, I'm kind of stuck on these pills, dude. I don't know what to do. Oh, no. So anyway, long story short, him and I were talking and another friend is his talking. He's like, come, come to Nosaro to this healing retreat. And he, and he purchased like a half an ounce of, uh, Iboga and he took an initial flood dose. And his friend basically was like, you know, you have to do this, Ryan. You're like, your life is going to shit, you know? And you're not, you're not right. And you need to try this. And he was like drinking and pills, you know, opioid, all that shit. Yeah. So long story short, he actually took three and a half grams and rode the bus home on, on this what? drug. <laughs> and, and, and we're talking about a bus in Costa Rica where like, you know, the bus is jammed and people are sitting on top of each other. And there's, st- I mean, this is not a, this is not a comfortable bus ride, right? Oh my Lord. And Ryan is a, Ryan is a, a he's an amazing person. He's very strong minded, just a, a great, great person. Um, all, I have all of our issues, but, and then he, and then he microdosed for, um, 10 days after that. And he told me all about his experience and <clears throat> how it allowed him to kind of see clearly what his mistakes were. Um, people say you can talk to dead people by connecting with yourself where, where they talk about ayahuasca, they talk about going onto different dimensions and seeing new stuff. When you talk about Iboga, Iboga kind of lets you see inside of yourself and go inside and change the things or see the things that you don't like. Um, and one of my experience, my best experience with Iboga is, like I said, I don't smoke a lot of cigarettes. I never did. But all my partners were smoking cigarettes when we were building my Puerto Rico warehouse. And I hadn't taken – I'd taken it once, like kind of just to see what it was like. And I was smoking on and off some cigarettes for like six months. And I just got mad at myself. I was like, this is so dumb. I'm like doing construction with my partners and like I don't smoke, but they all smoke. So, And I was like, I don't want to do this. But I realized – I was kind of addicted to even like having a cigarette here and there, like, or having three to five a day or something, which was like, wow, wow this was not me. I hadn't smoked. I'm 40, 40 years old at the time. This is like so dumb. And I felt that. So I was like, okay, I'm going to set my intention like you're supposed to do with Iboga. What they, what they tell you is to kind of <clears throat> write a list of a few different things that you want to know about yourself or reprogram or, or fix. And my, I had one intention. I don't ever want to smoke a cigarette again. Okay. Okay. That was my one intention. I want to. I want to feel happy. Yeah. I want to. I want to feel happier, relaxed, and I never want to smoke cigarettes again. I took some iboga, 
and I was going to the golf course because I knew that would be a good place for me to just chill and be outside. Yeah. That's like that's my go-to when I microdose because I'm a golfer. Mm-hmm. If I don't, if I can't get to a park or somewhere cool or not, I just go to the golf course because it's peaceful and I see nature. Yeah. And I told myself I don't want to smoke cigarettes. I had a pack of Parliaments, and I, uh, I literally forty-five minutes later, I looked over at the cigarettes, and I was like, "That is the most disgusting thing I've ever seen in my life." And I drove past my my grow. I gave the pack of cigarettes to my partner. I haven't smoked a cigarette since, and I don't want to. And I actually went back. Like I, I never thought they were like as disgusting as I do now. Um, but there was a time in my life when, you know, I thought they were bad. But it just it it lets you tell yourself something or see something that is a truth, and that is a truth for me. Like that is a gross thing. I'm willing to admit that I did that, but it's a gross thing, right? Mm-hmm. And it lets you see that. It lets you see if you're lying to yourself. If you really wow. like doing something or you're really telling yourself you want to do something. Um, and that's why people can get off addiction because they see what's wrong with themselves. They go inside. Wow. <clears throat> they see something. Truth serum for the soul. It, like it's just 100%. self-truths. Laid. Wow, that's beautiful. Mm-hmm. That's straight facts the way you said it in my – you said it in a sentence when I babbled it for an hour. <laughs> <laughs> wow, so one wow. can find this in Costa Rica. Yeah, it's a it's a Schedule One drug. Okay. Um, in the United States, of course, because it's right. a plant. I mean, of course, God. it's horrible for us. Let's let's make poison and drink it it's instead. It's been growing naturally on this planet for millennia. Forever. So of course and and it's used by healers. I mean, we should outlaw it. Doctor Evil. Yeah. <laughs> but is it so? Is it still like just as illegal in Costa Rica? Too? Um, I I know it's. Legal to um, have the, the the plant there. I don't know enough about the law there. Okay. Um, I know people are growing it there for sure. Um, I know people are using it for plant medicine ceremonying there for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, it sounds like it's helping a lot of people. So it, it is. I want to. I want to try it. It's actually legal immediately. <laughs> I have a list of things already. <laughs> it, it, it's, yeah, it's actually. Um, from my understanding, and the laws might have changed from when I looked into it. I haven't looked much into it lately, but um, I think in the EU and and uh, UK parts of the EU and UK, it it is actually iboga isn't legal, but ibogaine, which is like the active ingredient, nice. is legal. So you can, but they're they're doing there's if you, workarounds. There's workaround, and there there's also um, there's research being done on it, and I think. You know, mainly the U.S. That is, I don't, I don't think it's illegal in Costa Rica. Okay, um, cool. That I don't is think, some legislative gray area. <clears throat> cool. I, I don't think it's. I think it's like not something they want to promote. You know, right? Um, they should. Right. Personally. It sounds well, like it'd be good for their economy. I've been going to Costa Rica since my dad passed, actually. So oh, almost okay. fi- almost fifteen years now. Um, and I uh, actually own some land down there too. Oh no it, way! Yeah, it, in the southwest. Okay. Um, on the peninsula? No, it's it's all the I'm 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 down in Hermosa area. Cool. Um, it's it's actually it's a gigantic property that I helped a really good friend out when he needed some help. He was building a adventure park 
He had a oh. zi- he's got a zip line, oh. uh, waterfall rappel. Uh, horseback riding. Monte Verde. Or... Um, I want to go. Yeah, it's it's actually in a <laughs> in a little town called the Estrios. It's just south of Haco okay. and Hermosa. Um, it's called the Park CR. Uh, is his website theparkcr.com. It's eight hundred and fifty acres. I was there three weeks or what? Uh, six weeks ago. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wait. And my and my how friend. How far is it from my friend Puerto goes, Rico, where you also live? Uh, for, for, <laughs> Across a little. Uh... It's actually it, it's um there's no direct flight from Costa Rica to Puerto Rico, unfortunately. What oh, that's missed annoying. opportunity? Well, you can fly to Panama City, okay. and then it's like a forty five minute flight to San Jose. It believe it or not, Puerto Rico is like, like, almost in South America. Like kind of far down there. It's the farthest island. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a couple little ones out there, but it's like the farthest inhabited island mm-hmm. in the in the South uh, in the in the whatever it is in the Atlantic or the Gulf or whatever the that region Caribbean. is. The Caribbean. The Caribbean. Come on, there now. you go. All right. It is so, cool to be like that way. The next land object is yeah. two thousand miles. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. What's the weed scene like in in Puerto Rico? Yeah. Um. Well, we have some of the best weed there. Right now, my my company, um, the is weed. It, what's your company called down there? It's is called it, it's called Consolidated CR is the license name. Okay. But we're gonna um, we're gonna come out with a new brand, and um, we're probably gonna call it Four Twenties. Twenties is a saying from Costa Rica. Actually, it means like it's like what the locals say. Um, it's not twenties. It's twenties. Um, twenties. 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 My twenties. My. So it means like it means like too nice or cool. It's like it's it's the literal form uh, translation is too nice, but it's what everybody says to be cool, right? Um, to be like, bro, dude, you're awesome. Thanks a lot. It's like oh. a low. It's almost like aloha. It's like a oh. right for the locals. Okay. But for me, I always try to put a twist on it. I don't know if this will work or not, but 20s was cool, so why not make it 420s? Yeah. Because then it's a pretty good wordplay. Yeah. It's a pretty I, good wordplay, right? Like and it. and we're building our store, uh, we're gonna call it Bodega. Um, instead of Bodega, it's gonna nice. be Bodega. Nice. Um, and because you know, we don't I don't I don't have a disillusion of making it a huge brand. Um, you know, maybe it'll go, but I don't have the capital behind me to to open six, eight, ten stores. But there right. to answer your question. Puerto Rico's weed scene is dominated by a company called Preach. Um, they have a 400,000 square foot grow and product that's okay. Um, okay. They're, they're but this is medical only, right? Medical only. Okay. But they just decriminalized it oh. last week. Um, Congratulations, wow. Puerto Rico! Yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly. So Puerto Rico is is coming coming along in that, and the weed scene is there. Everybody loves cannabis. Um, you know, there's CBD shops and stuff like that there so it's too. Very widely accepted, and like it. it uh, honestly, I feel like the stigma for cannabis is like it's it, it's less negative there than it is in the United States. Gosh. One of the really big problems right there is like. Everybody complains in Colorado that our weed's too dry, right? Right. You take, you open up the jar, it's too dry. It's one of the cool things about Snacks Land is that the, however they dry cure it, um, it's usually pretty wet. It's, in my opinion, actually needs to be, it actually needs to be dried out a little bit before I really want to smoke it. Like I usually set it out for a night or let it air out or burp it a little bit. Um, but that's way better 
than all these other companies that yeah. you got to try to like rehydrate their product yeah. to smoke oh my it properly. God, it's literally like you try to crush, like it like crushes in your finger to dust some of these brands. Totally. But in Puerto Rico, even if the weed is super dry in the jar, you open it up and in like. It's not going to be dry anymore. Oh, you put it on the table and it's not an air conditioning. You wait like. 20 minutes and the thing is moist and, and you don't want to smoke you you can literally oh not gosh. you need a grinder for everything here i broke this weed up on the table to, to roll the joint right and i didn't need a grinder i just smushed it with my hands and it was fine it smoked fine everything's yeah. fine like there you would have to like pick it apart for 20 yeah. minutes like little by little or use a grinder one of the problems then too for all the stores is they they get the weed in bulk they unpackage it, mm-hmm. and then they re- then they you know they unpackage it from our pound. They lay it out, and if they don't lay it out in the really super envi- controlled environment room, then when they go to pack it in eighths or quarters or whatever, Soggy. the weed gets wet again. Oh and then I'm putting gosh. then I'm selling the weed that I got to the right moisture content. And they fucked it up. They fucked it up. So one of the things post production post production is important, and I want to go to pre pack. Now that we've established ourselves as, you know, one of the higher end companies yeah. in Puerto Rico. Um, oh, so. so will you do like little glass jars or like the Mylar bags? I want to do glass jars down there because. Nice. Very classy. Yeah. I, I think it just needs to happen down there. And I think it's a way to sell like the market we were selling for 3000 a pound. Um, and some of the, you know, we were at the high end of the vendors. Um, and recently the market, as everybody knows, has been coming down after the pandemic or whatever it was yeah. um, <laughs> um yeah, I, I you know i'm not a conspiracy theorist i i just i just i think a lot of people took advantage of the situation after it got bad personally um but anyway i i, I think um you know in order to c- continue to have high prices you need to continue to have high quality um, totally and you need to figure out in each market how to distinguish yourself um pre-packing in in the those climates, I think, is really um, it's necessary. Benefit you. Are the packaging laws there um, diff- like looser than they are here? Uh, no, or it's got to be child. You know, most of everybody's using pop tops, the okay. childproof stuff. Um, it's not as hard. There's, I, I, you know, and I, and I can't. I don't know that. Don't quote me a hundred percent on the edibles, but I don't think they have as many rules and regulations um, for like the way that stuff is packaged. It, yeah. It's just like a simple childproof packaging where our stuff is getting more and more complicated by the year, it seems. Yeah, um, totally. Like every which, legislative session, they need to change it up for some reason. Well, I mean, we were talking about, you know, um, before the show too, we were talking about concentrates and, and you know, coming down on detoxing off of, you know, high levels of cannabis, which all of us here have. Um, and, and, you know, that is something that it's hard for me because I want more volume to sell as a business person. (laughs) Um, but I do, I do think there should be some awareness. I don't think, I don't think necessarily it's fair to, to kind of, to like make us package stuff different because it's, it doesn't matter. They're going to take it out of the packaging and take three times as much anyway. Yeah. Um, but I think we should have to bring more awareness to overuse 
yeah. um, of cannabis. Like the um, cannabis hypermesis syndrome that's like a lot of people are talking about on Instagram at least. Do you, I, are you aware I, I don't, of No, this? I don't know much about that. So Enlighten me. What I know is that if you are a very like chronic user of cannabis for a long time, which we all are. <laughs> In this up, room, yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> like over like a decade of, you know, daily, whatever, weekly um hourly hourly consumption <laughs> um that people can develop you can get like nausea headaches vomiting and it's like you're talking about of like the withdrawal like your friend when you stop yeah when you stop using cannabis you can definitely have a withdrawal and and mainly if you're using you know if you're smoking a ton, you probably have to smoke a ton of flour for that um you know, I'd say eighth plus a day at least of flour. Yeah. Um, which, yeah. <laughs> I've definitely been there, but it started to hurt. The combustion just started to hurt my throat, actually, which mm-hmm. is why I moved to the low temperature dabbing. Yeah, which I agree with that too. You just got to watch out because I guess this is opinion based, but I feel like. You know, I never I smoked cigarettes when I was a kid for a couple of years, and mm-hmm. I do like the smoke. And I think right. I think one of the things you have to watch out when you go from flour to dab is the volume has to be way lower totally. of smoke. And if you're trying to get a smoking session, then that's not the way to go. In my opinion, yeah. I mean roll a dube. And then feel that asphyxiation for a few hits and go, whoa, I don't want this much smoke. Mm-hmm. Where lower temperature dab, eventually then you get the higher volume, especially that's why I like the Puffco. Mm-hmm. Because you're way less likely to put a large amount of, of cannabis in the Puffco because it's right. timed. It heats up and cools down. It's, it's, it's only going to va- – you know, you're, you can only get so much it's volume. It's a pretty small chamber – Totally. And, and it's not a, and it's a chamber that's like, you know, you got some recirculators here or whatever this, the water's never going to hit you because of all the different valves and all that stuff. It's going to like come up so you can keep bringing the smoke in where the Puffco, you hit it. And it's like, if you keep trying to hit it too long, you have too much volume in there. Like it just, it doesn't, it doesn't work the same unless you dab it really hot and then you might as well just take a dab. Right. You know, like, so I dab it on green, which is the second second heat setting and it gives it some sm- what temperature do you think that is i think that's probably like 500? high 500 f- 550 i think it's probably 550 to 600 and i don't mind that it, you know at its peak right so Fahrenheit. like Fahrenheit. yeah <laughs> it's <laughs> nice it's something and i i do really think though the i've noticed a bunch of different people that um too much dabbing and i watch people with all this glass out there and I've been more into the glass in the last six months and collecting and checking it all out and just seeing what people are doing and all the vendors, there's a lot of people just high volume dabbing. Oh yeah. Especially with these new Terp slurpers. Have you seen those? Oh yeah. I won one on a, on a, no way. yeah, I won a Lion's glass one. <laughs> uh huh. Amazing. Really, really I've cool only one used on one, one time at a friend's house in Denver. I don't have one, but yeah, that's for people who are taking like, very big dabs. The first time I hit it, I actually bought a uh, the Terp Slurper. I didn't realize how how high volume and like whatever it was. And I I rarely <laughs> cough my brains out when I smoke. You know, I just rarely yes. I just like that. You know, and I I'll feel like oh it's a little too much, and then I'll just like won't take the rest because I don't. 
Right. I don't, you know, if I waste a little cannabis, whatever. And You're trying to moderate your own Yeah, body. I don't want to hurt my lungs more than anything, too. Like, yeah. I feel like if I cough. That's what my too, parents say. They're like, we don't want your lungs hurt. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like lungs are important. Um, you only get one set. Yeah. Unless you only, get a transplant, and that is not, not, good, so. not good. And we only need them every second to breathe. Yeah, right. that's it. That's it. Just forget about that. That's it. Honestly, I seriously. <laughs> I think um I think that I think that the dabbing community is awesome and I think the concentrates are awesome. I think it's just again the awareness of what it can where it can bring you to. Yeah. Um and you know, you have cannabinoid receptors in your brain as we know. All um, over in your, your body. All over your body. But but you know, it's my understanding that once you fill yourself with a certain amount of cannabis, they're they're like full, right? Mm-hmm. And saturated. Well, I think that's the cannabis hypermesis syndrome. Is like you never take a break. You've exceeded your cannabinoid levels, and they're now like at max capacity. Like stop, mm-hmm. fried. Um, but then. So, but you said your friend was experiencing experiencing major horrible withdrawals. horrible withdrawals, and this person had to basically like similar to that of like a heroin withdrawal. Well, yeah, at first I, mean, is, I don't know what a heroin. I imagine I, I, I don't need you know, sweating I, and yeah, no, 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 sweating, headache, fever, nausea, sweats. Um, oh my god! You know, pretty um, you know causing some depression to the point where yeah. it's like like this person was dabbing and dabbing 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 and you know for other pain for other stuff like all of us do not thinking about it and then it was like wait now I'm feeling really weird this person told me about it and I was like you know when I dabbed the most of my life was 2013 when we were <laughs> making first making concentrates and I experimented with all kinds of ways to make them and I Definitely wasn't getting all the solvent out of it. And, you know, but but I experienced, like, eye issues, um, ear issues. Oh, my gosh. And, like, like my ears started to hurt when I would dab. And then my eye would twitch. And this person kind of told wow. me, like, my eyes are freaking out and I can't look at the screen. And I'm like, you know, oh my that God. happened to me when I dabbed too much years ago. And my eyes were hurt my ears were hurt and I had to take a break. And I didn't know. I just, like, stopped using concentrates but didn't stop smoking weed yeah. so i probably smoked some more weed to like not withdrawal bad <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know this person was definitely like wow i need to take like a bong hit even every two or three hours to combat like, the withdrawal symptoms of the dabs wow. and and has been over the last couple of weeks like slowly t- taking less cannabis and and as the story has been shared with some friends and other people, they're like, oh, no, that's a real thing. And they're saying – those other people are saying, yeah, people that are highly dabbing uh, are having withdrawal like heroin or, you know, like tox- like serious toxic withdrawal. Maybe not um, the same kind of like mental okay, addiction yeah. stuff. Okay, Because totally. I think – I, I think, don't want to equate it to like – No, heroin. no, no. I'm, I, I don't, I'm not equate – I think the physical symptoms mm-hmm. of withdrawal are there and this is how – you can know safely, this is an important point, that cannabis is not a mentally, physically addictive drug because these people are not having the same mental struggle. Right. They're having a highly physical, like, I'm sick struggle. Mm-hmm. Not like a, 
I need this drug or I'm going to kill myself. Right. Back to Puerto Rico and where you see the industry going as a whole. Okay. So this, this one to me is really interesting and it plays into where I'm going. I think that um, we're going towards brand building now. I think that yep. like we talked about, I don't know if we're on air or off air, you know, these, these dispensaries are just retail stores. Um, yeah. And they're actually retail stores with a gigantic handicap because of the tax code, 280E. And, wow, yeah. And, and then the fluctuation of all the pricing, right, right. Uh, from the vendors and the customers that are pissed consistently because of the, the fluctuation of their pricing or the unavailability of consistently the Mac one that they wanted. Yes, or the, the strains they want. The, you know, and, and, and the growers, because they can't be consistent with whatever, they just keep putting out new strains because – the new stuff is going to sell. Yeah. Meanwhile, instead of like building their brand on really good strains that people will want consistently. Right. And what I believe is we're going to have a trillion dollar industry. We're going to have legalization. It's going to some take in the next 10 years. I think we're going to build somewhere between 2000 and 10,000 hundred million dollar cannabis companies. Now there's, that's including what's already out there. There's probably who knows, but if you break down a trillion dollar industry and how many times that money goes back into it, right? Because if it spits out a trillion at the end, the grow is part of that. That's sold to the store. They sold the, the you know the outside people. So you know that that are selling just um, goods and services right. um, or or you know packaging whatever it is. So I, I feel like there's going to be thousands of hundred million dollar companies. I feel like there's going to be brands that are built. Uh-huh. I feel like something like high-minded could latch on and build some products yes. around its podcast where company like mine, like Numb Nuts, could help you do that because yes. we're not just selling products. One of the other things we're doing is we're trademarking things um, and we're helping and we want to help develop companies in cannabis. But why I'm going into that, and I'm still in the store business, I'm still... Um, in the cultivation business, and I will never stay out of that. But I want to build brands because eventually, when it's legal, brands are going to be national, and that's where these big companies are going to look. And if you have the start, you have the packaging, the processing, the product that people like. And you know, we're gonna—I'm gonna bring Numbnuts to Puerto Rico. We're gonna go to Michigan and uh, a couple other states here. Um, and then when you get a product, yeah. that, then when you get a product that's in multiple states. You know, even if the volume isn't quite as high as some other companies, you have the channels. You have the, you have the presence. Mar- you can build later. And if you have really what a lot of these companies, you look at cookies, right? Yep. Why is cookies so big? Well, burner and just like the brand, but the genetics really stuck on and everyone wanted their genetics, the Girl Scout cookies. Yeah. Yes. You're right. The cookies, you're absolutely right with the initial groundswell. But you know what they did to light a fire under it? What? Millions in marketing. Oh, yeah. Millions. (laughs) Just lit a match to money so everybody knows who they are. (laughs) Right? So true. And now, boom. Cookie stores popping up everywhere. And now time for a quick commercial break. On the Weed Maps app, those who are 21 and up can order online for delivery or in-store pickup from local retailers. You can also browse menus and look for deals in your areas to save on cannabis. And you can get helpful notifications about price drops, new product launches, etc. Check out our show notes to download the app today. So, so yeah, so the, I see the industry going towards bigger business, um, but then see, it's sad for the little guys. It sucks. 
I don't see all the little guys going away. Um, but they just need to find funding. <laughs> you need to find funding. You need to ha- you need to find a little niche. niche. There's going to be so many creative little things that happen. Yeah. But I think you're better off. Like Canagars. Like those are still. They're they're good, but they never they never scaled. Yeah. Right and. Solventless gummies. Solventless gummies is huge. Mm-hmm. Solventless edibles. Yes. Forget about anything. Solventless edibles is. And people who are not doing solventless, I'm just like, why? Solvents are done. It's over. Literally, we don't Bye. want that solventless shit only. in our body. <laughs> I mean, I, I know I know some of us here are proponents of other things besides Delta Nine, but per- personally. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 uh, I, I mean, like I, can, I, I like try my Delta some things. <laughs> no, I, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but I, I don't think people are really, uh, really effectively um, seeing or calculating the the why the w- that that's having a huge effect on the industry. Delta eight, and uh, Delta Delta 10. Delta ten, Delta zero, yeah, all all these other things that can get shipped right to your house. Yeah, that people think is weed. Um, it is. It's kind of it, scary. It, it, it's 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 changing, and, th- and that stuff needs to be. That's why it we needs need to be regulated. Reg- in regulated. Some way. They they need. I mean, that's all distillate solvent based yeah. crap that people are putting in their yeah, bodies. So true. Um, you know, it's like it's 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 oh. CBD sprayed with weed. You know. Yeah. Uh, oh it's it's sprayed sprayed with D eight. Yep. Yeah. Any, anyway, so true. I'm not saying there's anything. And people are being creative. I love it. But well, the- yeah, because they're discovering all these like new cannabinoids. So then it's like, it's like until they well legalize, it's gonna people are gonna find a way to get around it. So and th- yeah, the reality is we just need. See, C- I I bet CBD created more uh, millionaires than than THC. Oh wow! Wait, yeah. What's your view on the probably bankrupted CBD, a lot of people too CBD market. Exactly. I guess we should say it other cannabinoids because now we got CBG right. and, and CBN. CBN, CBD. we have Delta 8, which is part of that now right. too. Yeah, <clears throat> which is crazy. You know, because they take the CBD and they, they call, call it crashing it and make it into other stuff. That's where it's – this uh, stuff is all – it's not like well, – I thought it was hemp-derived. It is. So what they do, in my understanding, I could be wrong, okay. is they extract the hemp. The hemp doesn't have Delta 8 initially in it. Okay. I thought like, that it does, but in small amounts. Sure, but they're also, <laughs> but they're also, yeah, small. We got a small amount from every plant, and all of a sudden, it's in every state, and everybody can get as much as <laughs> they want. Who's got a kilo of delta eight? Yeah, small amounts in every plant. So they're making it in a lab. They're making it's all made in a lab and spraying all this stuff. All, all this stuff is is a conversion. These cannabinoids be, for heat, pressure, mm. uh, all these different things that these scientists can do. They can change the 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 molecule or whatever it is I don't I, I wow. if I knew the science better but I know the general theories that they're yeah. what they call crashing the CBD into delta eight wow right wow. so they're and you oh, just do that in a a beaker with some heat and yep. extraction or some something? mumbo some CBD mumbo jumbo <laughs> <laughs> wow oh my god and some butane what you know and that's where it started or whatever so yeah so to me it's you know this so many people have made so much money too, just selling garbage CBD joints and CBD pounds oh, and CBD. Yeah. You know, before CBD gummies are CBD, huge. I mean, I know people have have a hundred hundred k plus a month profit selling CBD products that like 
who's who's using all this stuff? That's like subpar quality. It's cheaper. It's about price. Yeah. Wow. Right? And and to your point, federal legalization can change that whole scale and make the real THC come to the market. Yeah. Um, See, that's what I want. I want it. We got to federally legalize. I don't want that personally for my business that fast. Tell us yeah. why. Because, <laughs> because big business is going <coughs> to whoop my ass. Oh. Because Coca-Cola is going to come and invest $100 million right next to me. Well, but... Oh, or or more. I'm not saying. But I'm not saying. There's I don't still like limited licenses though and stuff and like. If it's federally legal, okay. The first there? thing they're gonna do is interstate commerce, which is gonna which is gonna kill all those all that stuff because it doesn't matter that there's only eight stores in Utah or eight grows in Utah. If I can ship my weed from Colorado to Utah. See you later, Utah growers. Oh. Yeah, if South Dakota or something Fuck. makes it legal to have endless plants, then all of a sudden the entire country is smoking South Dakotan weed. Yeah. Oh. So fuck. so a game like just a big game changer, right? And and a, so it I, like has to be on a state level, then like state by state, just doing it. To me, because I'm too able big. to navigate because I know about the industry. So if it changes, I'm. I want it to be federally legal because it should be. I my personal stance is a hundred percent, and my business yeah. stance is I'll figure it out. Okay. But if you're asking me, probably what's the best for me would be like, oh, give me the Banking Act for the next four or five years. Okay. But keep it federally illegal, so now I don't have to deal with two eighty, and I get the regular tax benefits, and I can go to a bank and get loans, and I, as a little guy, uh huh, can one guy can make <laughs> this come, yeah, can make this come up. But also, I'm I'm really into the social equity thing. Um, totally. The the New York yes. is my home state. Oh my gosh. Um, yeah. And they just made their They just put program. the board. Uh, I have a group I put together with a bunch of different people of all different races, colors, sexes, backgrounds, all this kind of stuff. And Amazing. um and, and all, all almost all New Yorkers. And you know, I don't I've been through this. I wanna do better, of course. But getting a license in New York to me means probably everything. And if I own 10, 20% of it, 5% of it, I don't care. I see it as a vehicle and I want to bring what I know to the community. Mm-hmm. I don't know a lot of other New Yorkers that have been in the regulated cannabis industry for 12 years, have owned you know, multiple dispensaries and grows and done business in six or eight different states like I have. Yeah. So my resume, when it goes on the application... Being a native New Yorker, I'm going to hold a lot of weight. Yeah. I now have surrounded myself with, you know, the black community, with a bunch of females, um, the Hispanic community, mm-hmm. and and I'm going to put all these people on the license as owners. I'm not that person that's going to be like, no, 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 yeah. this is mine. I want to write an application for New York where they're like, oh, my God, if we don't give this per- this group a license, we're going to get sued. Okay. Yeah. That that's the application I want. I want to check every box because yeah. you know I've I've helped win a license in Utah, a vertically integrated license, one of three licenses that was vertically integrated. Wow. There was three hundred applications or more for fourteen cultivations, or sorry, for eight cultivations. We won. There was like five hundred applications or more for fourteen stores. We won that. Only three companies oh won my that. Gosh. And then I sold my portion of that to the owners because they wouldn't build the cultivation. Um, but they wanted to go in a different direction. That's that's their choice. Yeah. Um, 
but I know even that I won applications in uh, in Nevada. You know, I've, I've yeah. done all, I've, Puerto Rico. I've been to the process. Washington State, totally. Oregon as Very well. Very experienced across the board. What one of the things I've done is um, I'm a Long Island kid. And I know Nassau, Suffolk County, a little bit of Brooklyn and the uh, and the Bronx, but not that much. A good friend of mine, um, or someone that's become a good friend of mine through the networking process, uh, he he introduced me to a bunch of people in Brooklyn and Manhattan and the Bronx. Is a the guy's name is Dr. Lance McCarthy. He's he's actually pretty well known. He's the he's right now the uh, the CFO of the George Floyd Foundation. Oh, um, and he's very well known in the the black community. He's worked for the White House. He's wow. he's um, he, he calls himself Doctor Finance. He's a big he's a big economist. Okay, yeah, he's super. He's really super amazing, cool guy. He's got big old beard, and I'll I'll I'll, uh, yeah. I'll show you guys on Instagram who he is. But okay, um, wait, I'm like I think I've seen this guy on Instagram. Yeah, Doctor Lance is pretty cool. You might have seen I've reposted some of his like okay. some some of the stuff that have. that he says. And, um, but anyway, him and I made friends after, uh, like probably five years ago when we were doing the Vegas stuff and we've always kept up and, uh, I'm going to his, one, his party in Vegas. So maybe, you know, oh. th- it, it'll be a good time to Hell network yeah. there. So, but, <laughs> but, but I started to get involved in all that and he, he really liked me. Um, you know, I, I'm pretty open to everything and I have it's funny because being Jewish isn't a minority. I don't, I don't know. We're like 2% of the population, <laughs> but we're not a minority. <laughs> so, but, but, you know, he's like, my Jewish brother, you know, we're good. You know, so we're all like, there's a good vibe. And so I, he introduced me to a couple other New Yorkers too, because he's from California, but he knows so many people on the East Coast and he's got so many, you know, so much plugged in people. So, so I'm networking with his crew. Um, He's got a lot more people from the city, and we actually found someone upstate. So the the hope is mm-hmm. that we get a license like Florida, where you can open 15, 20 stores or 30 or whatever amount of stores you want. Yeah. And, and we just want one cultivation extraction, and we want you know a number of stores. So we could put right. three to five on Long Island, three to five in the city, a couple yeah. upstate. Um, because you know, that's how you build a business, but I won't be greedy. If they give me any license, I'd be super happy, but good luck. Yeah. Um, it's going to be crazy. Um, but it's going to be fun. Do you know when the like application closes? They don't even, they they haven't even, they're like, they've told us nothing. What they, what they did last week is they appointed the four members of the board, governor Cuomo, Wrote it into law, did whatever the hell he did, and then um, blo- basically blocked them. Like all he had to do this whole time was appoint the the board that writes the rules and regs mm-hmm. and puts out the request for proposal. He never did that. Oh the new God. governor came in. She seems really cool. She came in, and that was like one of her first things. It's like, no, 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 we need to push this. Yeah. Like, so she appointed, I think, two people, and then they appointed – publicly two more people or something like that but they're th- this is going to happen it's in the building next, it's building I, I, my my thought process is that by the end of the year they'll have requested people to write this application and sometime by the end of the first quarter they'll have awarded the licenses and hope to get next year the program kind of built out um there is medical cannabis in uh new york already so though hopefully hopefully they'll for the community, they'll yeah. give those people a jump. Let the medical, but there's only like six stores. It's, it's something crazy. Like I've heard that they, they'd pretty much yeah. be if they let them be recreational right now. They'd just be, it'd be a shit show. Yeah. Oh my oh, god. No. Me, yeah. It would, the market would be flooded. No How do you one, like to be a bud tender there? No one. Yeah. 
you could be like, oh, oh my, that'd be so sad because you could be like, you can only buy like an eighth or two. Like, wouldn't you have to cap? Like how much people can buy. I mean, you'd eventually just sell out, and, and then, then there'd be not enough for anyone. Like, it's probably a good time to ship to Puerto Rico because Puerto Rico had that problem for a long time um, until about three to five months ago, where more and more companies started to come online. But you would go in Puerto Rico a year ago, and oftentimes they'd have one or two strains and like shake. Oh. I, I, that was your only flower option, and like some bad edibles and. BHO pens and what's actually, (laughs) what's actually really another interesting thing about Puerto Rico is you can't make solventless there. What? Really? Yeah. Cause there's no law for it. Oh my gosh. That's so frustrating. So yeah. So when they wrote the rules and regs, they wrote them so that the process was to use a solvent to extract the cannabis. No. And because in the rules and regs, it says that you have to use a solvent. Oh my god! Wow. You can't do it. Solventless. That makes me so mad. Uh, oh, I'm so st- <laughs> I'm angry. Right? Yeah, no, no. It's it's a super frustrating thing because you know the community down there really needs it, and it wasn't frustrating until about three months ago. When now there's a little bit of a glut of par- product on the market. There's a lot of bad product. There's only so much good product, but. Now, when that when that happens, that bad product, as we've learned in our more advanced states, we can freeze it because we know it's going to be bad. We can we can press it. We can do all these different things. We can you know yeah. as as other people do. We can the solventless gummies like they're not made out of live. The solventless gummies are just made out of a press. I don't know if you guys know that, but or don't they do the fresh frozen too? They what I my understanding is most of the solventless gummies. Someone just has like a hair straightener and they're just No, like, it's a huge kidding. ass. It's like <laughs> No, it's it it's not that they're don't do anything different in the process. They still it's still rosin. It's still hash rosin even. Yeah. A lot of times. However, it's not frozen. Because oh. it doesn't need to be it doesn't need to have that it gives it a better look. And yeah. it, and and it gives it even a more um there's even fragmentally probably or or incrementally there's less um, residual residue in there mm. when it's frozen. It get, It's a, like a cleaner oh. separation, right? So the gummy, if there is a little, like if the if the solvent doesn't look as presentable, but it's the same thing, yeah, right? Or the or sorry, the hash doesn't look as presentable, but it's the same thing, yeah. It doesn't matter. It's gonna have the same effect. So I learned that recently. I thought it was all live product too, but uh, it's not. Okay. It's not. It's actually dry. Trim or bud. Pressed. Okay. Wow. Because wow. oh, it does. But when you think about it, does it does it really matter if it's live or not? No, I right. guess not. The live <laughs> makes it. The live, in my understanding, also makes it be able to be in like a suspended state longer. So like when you put it in the fridge or the fr- yeah. or the freezer or whatever, like it stays like That's that. That's what I'm thinking. It's more of like contain like can. But it doesn't matter because they know. just smush it in all this in this gel and this gummies, and then that's going to be the next uh, hot product is the live solventless gummies. Like. Yeah, I mean it is dialed in. I think is probably the oh yeah, they're don't so you think good? Yeah, they're like the hottest. I mean for me, yeah. they're kind of the hottest company on the market, and Definitely. also because they did the strain specific. Yeah, yeah, and that matches with the flavors. They like right. use the terps. To, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the new thing about cooking and too, and going back to numb nuts a little bit is like, you know, nuts and nuts are a lot of protein. Um, that's good for you. 
you know, and then when you put different things in there, it can, it can combat the taste of a lot of the cannabis. Cause it's yeah. hard to make cannabis edibles really taste awesome. It is. Um, it's difficult. It's, it's not, you know, and, and what, what we're finding is if you can, you know, maybe if you can use CBD, CBD even is less palatable, let's call it mm. <laughs> <laughs> like in an extracted form. Right. Um, yeah. But, but Puerto Rico, it, the market's totally shifted. Um, now there's more product on the market. We have a little bit over a hundred million dollar, uh, market medical. We have like 120,000 patients. Um, what about rec? Is rec going to come online? We, we sure as shit hope so. <laughs> I mean, we need it. Um, we did before we couldn't, there would, the demand would have blown us out of the water, but the prices have, have dropped significantly and the the amount of product because because it was so it was worth so much just like everything everybody ramped up yeah you know now there's more of it so it's worth less especially the okay product but yeah they're gonna um I, has it already been voted on or no recreational oh, okay. recreational is not voted on recreational needs to just happen there in my opinion because they're they're like totally missing the boat um florida's gonna beat them more like yeah right now someone like you and all of us, all of us stoners, yeah, Puerto Rico's not as cool as Miami in some ways. But if you knew the cannabis scene was cool there and you could, like, go down there, buy good red cannabis, there'd be yeah. so much more tourism. There'd be so much more money that would come yeah. to them. And it's like people make – stoners make choices based on whether they can bring their weed with them somewhere yes. or they can get good weed where they go. Totally, Right. Yeah. So – and there's a lot of us. So – these islands and all these places that are destinations need to do that. Like, yeah. I mean, I I really want to open like a bud and breakfast, you know, like. Oh, my gosh. Please. I, I, this is my RSVP. Yes. Yeah, I'm there. We will be your first breakfast. customers. I love it. Um. Yeah. I mean, if someone opened any rec store in old San Juan, it would go Nuts. cuckoo bananas. Yeah. Nuts. Like instantly. Cuckoo bananas. Uh, yeah, I don't know why I said that. I've never said that I before in that. my life. But. <laughs> no, that's amazing. Um, where are the stores that you're trying to open located? Or I'm, I'm opening, surprisingly, I'm opening, uh, I guess I like to do repeat things. Um, I'm opening right next to Walmart, my first store, <laughs> uh, which is... Hey, a lot the, of people go there. Well, my green tree in... Longmont is oh, right yes. is right in front of Walmart. No, it's great so, traffic. So it's kind of ironic. Foot yeah. traffic. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're opening right in uh, Santorce, which is San Juan, basically. Um, there's a ton of stores that are, like, right on Ashford Ave, which is the main drag in Condado, uh, which is, mm-hmm. like, uh, another tourist right area. Right on the beach. Though. Yeah, which is where I, I, I live over there in an apartment. But because it's just convenient. It's, like, cool city life. Um, but there's so many stores over there um and they don't have parking uh they're, they're waiting for rec it's basically a lost leader uh, for them for rec and my store is like a mile from the beach basically um you could get there in a couple dollar uber i have parking behind it you know we're gonna try to make a pretty cool vibe and nice. not to mention that like a lot of people go to walmart so you know I would, yeah i'm like <laughs> hey a lot honey of people smoke weed a lot of people go to walmart. walmart yeah exactly it's like hey honey uh i'm gonna go to walmart oh yeah okay i'll go with you honey i'm gonna go to the dispensary you just park you know yeah the, our, our overfill parking is like a you know the three-story like three-level walmart parking wow. next to us basically wow so i, I mean, think that's gonna be pretty successful yeah and it, and it, you know even if we don't get wrecked there 
what I've put together is a smaller grow with a store. I have an option to open another store, um, another grow that might come online too. But for right now, what I have is really self-contained and um, vertically integrated. So having some of the better product on the island and having my own store, I'm not as concerned as some of the guys right now that have, you know, four or five stores and no, no cultivation yeah. or a big cultivation and no store. Yeah. yeah. So I kind of, I kind of modeled a little after what I did here, which is worst case scenario. I got a little Island to hang out on and with a business that works. Um, yeah. And, you know, I'm glad I did. Cause if I would have went bigger, I, I'd be worried right now because of, a couple companies just trying to dominate, you know, and if you can get through that period of time, get the record, get whatever, you know, some of the other stores or brands will fall off and we'll be one of the counterculture kind of, you know, and snacks landed the same kind of thing, right? They, they started out small, they grew a really good product and now they have a good name. So even if time now when products going down, yeah, and they're pricing to the, dispensaries going down a little bit but not not to where they're not making an incredible margin you know like uh, unbelievable and and one thing people should know about the stores and and customers get upset all the time which is really which is normal and i understand but you know the pricing at most of the stores not even mine i'm talking in general is reflective of what the vendor is willing to sell it to us for um yeah we can only give out so so much we at a cost or whatever, we yeah. gotta pay our bills too. And we can't write off <clears throat> anything that's related to the sale of a schedule one drug. So a lot of this right. normal things that people write off in a business that can let them operate at a smaller margin, we can't. Thank you for all of this incredible insight. I feel like we should wrap it up. Um, this has been amazing. Do you have one more? I was just gonna say, do you wanna tell the story that you told us when we were off air um about your dad and um was I talking? Your parents and how oh they yeah, told you yeah, about yeah. Okay, and... I do, I do, I actually do. That, I thank oh. you. For, that's a good nice. reminder because that's kind of like, kind of like a, a PSA almost. You know, I think that's <clears> yeah. Give a PSA to the people. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> good parenting looks like this. Yeah, oh. that. Yeah, I. You know, I had to me. I had the most amazing parents. Um, you know, still have an amazing mom. Had wouldn't give up my dad for anybody, even though he passed when I was twenty eight. Um, but when I was when I was f- almost 15, um, you know, we had to talk about drugs, which a lot of parents and, and children do. And at the time, I didn't know my my dad and mom used marijuana, um, mm-hmm. but they they use it. They, my mom still does. And it was normalized in my family later on. But what they told me at this, at this discussion when I was a young teenager was, you know, it's okay. We know we've watched you have a beer. We'll let you have a beer. You know, we don't, we don't want you to go getting super intoxicated, but we know drinking is not, is going to happen and it's okay. We know that you want to smoke weed. We know your friends are going to smoke weed. It's, it's, you know, just be careful. We'd rather have you have two or three, four friends over, hang out in the basement, the backyard. We'll take everybody's keys or whatever. Just like, don't be silly about this. But what they told me about, you know, every other drug out there was, you know, we're not going to be upset in, in any way, no matter what you do, but we're going to be really angry. We're going to be really frustrated. And, you know, you might get in trouble basically if you, if you don't follow our advice on this, you can, you know, and the advice was 
watch your friends, you know, let your friends do cocaine, heroin, ecstasy, you know, we're, we're telling you do this for six months before you let them make your decision for you or make a decision after you have the information, marijuana, alcohol, no big deal. Just moderate yourself. But all these other drugs, it, it's not worth it. And all we're asking you to do, we're begging you to do basically is watch your friends. They'll do it and make an informed decision. And because of that, I never, you know, I never fell into any of those things. And I always was a cannabis user um, and cannabis, I feel helped me tremendously yeah. um, in my life. And sure, I've had some negative things with cannabis. Sometimes your energy is low or, you know, whatever, but um, on a net net, my pain has been relieved. My anxiety has been so much better. And, yeah, same. um, I, you know, I, I'm just so grateful that my parents steered me away from all those other hard drugs and, and made me really listen to them. And with common sense told me just, just watch other people do it. You're too young, you know, and yeah, we're going to get mad if you don't watch other people, you might do it. We don't care at some point, but we're going to get really mad <laughs> if you don't watch other people do this thing first. And, you know, people just ruin their lives with other drugs like that. So, yeah. but thank you for having me on the show. Thank you so much, Mike. You were literally, this was so informative. You can find me at Can You Believe It on Instagram. Um, yes. You can, you can follow The Peaceful Choice, um, Green Tree Medicinals. There it is. And um, at MJ BizCon Vegas. MJ BizCon Vegas, I'll be there. But yeah, I mean, I'm I'm a consultant, so I'm I'm willing to help anybody with just about any project they need in cannabis. But I'd say my specialty is business development and you know general knowledge of the industry. Thank you so much to everyone who tuned in to this episode. It really means a lot to us. Please be sure to give us a five-star review and rating on Apple Podcasts and follow us on Instagram at HighMindedPod. Big thanks to Weed Maps. Download the Weed Maps app in the link in our show notes. And stay high. Stay high. <laughs>